0: This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. You know, one of the great joys of working in radio, and there are many, uh, you get to entertain people, you get to uh, hopefully shed some light on some interesting stories people may not be aware of. You get to have a lot of fun most of the time. You get to uh, talk with callers from all walks of life. But by far, selfishly, the greatest joy that I've had in working in radio has been to speak to, to interview, to meet, to get to know. and in some cases befriend people that you've always really admired. And I can't think of a person that I've had more admiration for throughout my entire life than Ralph Nader. Uh, Ralph Nader is someone who has saved more lives through his activism, his research, and work than most people who have ever lived in the history of human society, and that is not an exaggeration in the slightest. It is a great pleasure to welcome back longtime consultant consumer advocate, former independent candidate for president, and the author of many books, including the Ralph Nader and Family Cookbook, which is filled with a lot of great recipes, even if you don't like Ralph's politics or Ralph's messaging. It's great to have back on the program Ralph Nader. Mr. Nader, it's great to talk to you as always.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. One thing about the cookbook, it has the Mediterranean diet, which is been viewed by nutritionists as the healthiest diet in the world, so it doesn't distinguish between conservative and liberal <laughs> eaters.
0: <laughs> and and th- these are recipes from your parents' restaurant, right? Yeah, that they ran mother, for, yeah, for a it's long it's
1: time. What we grew up on, and, and yeah. she, uh, from Lebanon, it's uh, recipes and it, it's very. It, it's not high on sugar, salt, fat. It's heavy on vegetables and fruits. Tremendous, delicious. Uh, Recipes because of condiments and all kinds of uses of garlic and mint. And so it's the Ralph Nader Family Cookbook. Local publisher in New York, a Cossack Press. If you want it, you can get it autographed. Uh, Great gift. Yeah.
0: It is. Uh, people can order it on Nader.org. I have a copy, and I'm quite partial to the Baba Babaganoush. People should try that. Um, uh, speaking of how people are ordering things these, these days or purchasing things these days, you had a terrific column about some of the potential hazards of a cashless society. And in this column, you put out a clarion call for a civic group to arise to oppose the move towards a cashless society. How prevalent— is the cashless society becoming and why is this bad news for the public?
1: Well, the moment you uh, start buying things and it, with a credit card, debit card, payment system, PayPal and so on uh, you enter a, a credit uh, type gulag of debt interest rates and you lose control over your money. Now, I'll give you an example. Let's say you, you're buying things with cash you don't have a credit card. And uh, cash is defined, by the way, as paper money, checks, and money orders, not just paper money. And by mistake or oversight, you bounce a check. Uh, the bank will charge you 35 bucks. It costs them less than a dollar. It's a profit center. It's billions of dollars a year. Now, once you're in the credit card gulag, they can charge it. And enforce it by simply deducting from your uh, your credit card base, your your account. But if you're on a cash basis, they have to ask you to pay for that. They have to ask you to pay for the $35. Now, people are going to object if they have to write a check uh, to all these uh, groups that are done in you, all these corporations that have late payment fees and penalties and well, surcharges, I mean, it's, it's, it's up to 330 different kind of fees in the banking industry. Uh, and if if you're stuck and you've lost control of your money, you've lost control of your privacy because they know all your payments and what you buy, what, what you prefer, what you get for your kids, what you get for your friends, and they use that money, as everybody knows that data, rather, uh, to uh, feed to advertisers, at least the Facebook and Instagram Uh, people and who knows what else, you expose yourself to identity theft. You can't have identity theft if you uh, pay cash or by check. You have identity theft because you're in the credit card gulag. And as a result, there are millions of identity threats, which become real nightmares, become real nightmares to people. You can imagine what it takes to unravel something like that. So that's why I came out with this column, because in a strange way, nobody 2,000 years ago, Frank, would have predicted this. The smartest people 2,000 years ago would never have said that if money is available with credit and you can get it instantly, uh, it's not going to be a good thing. They would think it would be a great thing. Uh, But... And I I haven't begun to touch on the negatives here that go on. For example, once you're in the credit card gulag, you're subject to these fine print contracts, which you really can't negotiate. You sign, you click on, it's over. You can't change a word, can't change a number, uh, which is completely opposite what freedom of contract is all about, which is a meeting of the minds between the buyer and the seller. When was the last time you met the mind of, should we say Citicorp or Prudential Insurance? It doesn't happen. So what they do is once they got you snagged, then they say, "Oh, you cannot file a lawsuit against us. Uh, you cannot have a trial by jury, as your right is under our Constitution. You cannot, um, you cannot uh, exercise liability against us if we mistreat you. No." So basically they're crossing over from contract into the uh, wrongful injury of tort law and and, uh, uh, limiting your access to the courtroom, uh, limiting your access to justice. So you have privacy. You have the limitation of going to court where they find fine print to prevent it, shove you into coercive arbitration where they prevail most often. You have the uh, identity theft problem. And you have all these incredible interest rates. The average interest rate right now uh, for student loans is about 5 or 6%. The average interest rate for unpaid credit card balances is around 17%. Mm, mm. And the average interest rate for payday loan rackets, I mean, that, that, the sky's the limit. Once they roll it over and roll it over, it could be four or 500%. So that's why we're proposing a new citizen group. And the wonderful thing about it is it's not partisan. It's not red state, blue state. They all get screwed the same way. It doesn't matter (laughs) what their political background is. Uh, We want to build one where there's a strong defense of cash, a strong defense of freedom of contract, a strong defense of privacy, and a strong defense of your right to go to court. And, you, and, you actually, uh, and, and you actually
0: point point out your in your
1: perpetrator accountable.
0: You actually point out in your column uh, to your point about this being a nonpartisan movement that Republicans actually, according to opinion polls, oppose the movement to a cashless society by a much higher margin than Democrats and Independents do.
1: That's right. Uh, that that really was uh, uh, surprising to some, uh, especially. The margin was was quite large. The margin. Um, look at this. Look at this uh, figure. This is a Gallup poll. It just came out. They said, fifty six percent of Americans like to have cash with them at all times when they're outside their home. And course, that's not surprising. They get caught in the situation, and they want to have uh, some reserve cash. But. Republicans are most resistant, the poll says, to a shift to a cashless economy. 60 percent saying they would not like it, 60 percent. Independents register 45 percent, and Democrats register 28 percent, saying they do not want to shift to a cashless economy. Uh, That's surprising. Uh, I'm— a bit surprised about the Democrats obtuseness here, because all you have to do is look at authoritarian regimes around the world, Frank. why do you think China wants to get rid of cash? because they want to con- the government wants to control you. So this isn't just corporations wanting to control you, control your money, rip you off, invade your privacy, uh, expose you to identity theft, block your courthouse room uh, uh, access. Uh, the US Treasury, for example, is saying to Social Security recipients, if you don't open an account, it could be a direct express or open a bank account, if you're unbanked, um, you're violating a federal regulation. We want to send you your Social Security check every month uh, electronically. We don't want to send it in the mail anymore. Really? I mean, <laughs> I mean, what's going on here? So authoritarianism. In the corporate world and the government world, wants to get rid of cash, check, money order. You'd think American Express would be a little upset about that because, you know, from way back, Frank, that's one of their major business lines. The only commercial group that is on the side of retaining cash, and not surprisingly, is a segment of the ATM business, Mm. obviously, Mm. right? If you don't have cash, what do you have ATMs for? So – This is going to be a very hot issue. Let me tell you why. Because there are some states that prohibit businesses from not accepting cash. I mean, some of your listeners are now saying, what's going on here? Cash is legal tender. It's a U.S. statute, code. you got to take it. Well, you don't have to take cash if you're a seller. If you notice the buyers, like when FedEx stopped taking cash, one of the first companies quite a few years ago— They had a notice. When you walked into their office, they said, we don't take cash. The Treasury Department says if you give consumers notice, then you can deny using cash from them. You can say you have to use your credit card or your debit card. But now you see some companies are violating state laws. There are several businesses in District of Columbia that prohibit uh, cash transactions, And they're violating D.C. law. And when Uh, my associate went to the D.C. government and said, hey, why aren't you enforcing the law here? He said, well, we we don't have funds to enforce the law. Massachusetts was one of the first uh, uh, states to protect cash buyers. But there may be seven, eight states have passed. Some cities are beginning to. Because here's the reason. There are tens of millions of Americans who are unbanked. They don't have a bank account. They don't have credit. They're low, most of them are low income. And as a result, where are they left? Where are they oh. left?
0: Well, no, I I, th- I think you make the great point in the column and in this conversation that while uh, a movement towards no cash might be convenient for a lot of folks, not only is this incredibly inconvenient for uh, the unbanked and for the poor, but you you this ends to an endless this leads to an endless spiral of of debt, and as you have pointed out, because you don't really have freedom of contract, you lose your freedom to go to court and things like that it really is a genuine threat to democracy all that being said are you fighting against the inevitable here it does seem like all the momentum for all the factors that you've just stated is on the side of cashlessness are you optimistic that this tide can be stemmed
1: oh very much so uh, once you re- once you show people what the uh, future direction is, because the more people are stuck in this credit debit payment system gulag, the tighter the tentacles, because they know they got you. So they can rip you off in more ways. For example, now, some of the fine print contracts, you'll love this, uh, have a phrase called unilateral modification. In other words, the seller can unilaterally (laughs) change the contract and say, oh, you agreed on page 32 in the fine print to do that. Well, that's a complete repudiation of meeting of the minds and consent between buyer and seller. And, and, and that's what's going on. Uh, for, for example, frequent flyer miles. Uh, if an airline decides, well, it's no longer 35,000 miles to give you a, a free trip, it's going to be 45,000. In the fine print, they don't have to ask your permission. Even retroactively, you could have wow. banked all these points. Suddenly, you got to put more points out to get a free trip. So I think the more people realize, even people who want to use credit cards for the uh, swipe convenience of it, etc., recognize that there has to be a, a society that allows for payment of cash, check, or money order, just as a, as a reserve safeguard. Because they they know they're being screwed. I know some of your listeners say, but well, some of these these credit cards they give points, you know, and after a number of points you can uh, cash in, and sort of sort of speak and get a uh, a product. Yeah, but they make it up in other ways. Uh, there used to be a movement by Consumers Union to to persuade retailers to give people cash discounts because you go to a restaurant and you, you pay for your meal with a credit card, the, the owner doesn't get the 100% of that bill. Right. They have to spin off 3 4 whatever percent to the credit card company. So Consumers Union said, well, why don't they give uh, customers a cash discount? Well, that was starting to spread, Frank. Guess what happened? The credit card companies came down hard on the retailers and said, you can't do both. you got to pick, choose. We're going to withhold. And, you know, the, the restaurants, they like four or five different credit cards uh, that, that uh, are part of their system. So that ended that movement. But when I talk to people even who, you know, just love to swipe their card, they know that in the background, if there is no cash, check, or money order option, there's tyranny
0: uh, and uh, I, I'm so, I'm, sorry there's not more uh, people calling for exactly uh, this kind of behavior. It seems like uh, you've been one of the few voices out there. So I hope somebody uh, steps up and heeds your call to form a civic group to preserve the rights of people that want to pay with cash, which, as you point out, is legal U.S. tender. If people just tu- are tuning in, we're talking with Ralph Nader. You could check out his column and his books and a lot of other great stuff, including the Ralph Nader Radio hour which I steal a lot of great ideas from at nader org. That's Nader.org. Ralph, for many years you were perceived as sort of being the face of the uh, progressive movement. Uh, These days it does seem like two people that are ascendant or if not already the most prominent national progressives are Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. When you've brought up issues like uh, preserving the post office, uh, like uh, preserving the ability of people to pay cash, like uh, taking on corporate crime and corporate malfeasance or the corporate drug dealers that are causing 140,000 opioid deaths in a year. Do you find um, Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez specifically receptive to a lot of the ideas that you've been putting out there?
1: They are if you can ever get their calls returned, which is almost <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah. they're, they operate in a silo, and they'll be much more effective if they connected with citizen groups on the outside. That's the way it was in the 60s and 70s, but they don't do that anymore. So they limit themselves and therefore limit uh, the degree of success that they can have. Uh, in, in Congress because these citizen groups have thousands of members. Some of them have hundreds of thousands of members around the country and they're pretty much cut off. Just uh tell your listeners, try calling your member of Congress. So you get voicemail and and uh, they said they promise they're gonna call back and they don't call back and it's just a nightmare. We have a, a new pilot's uh newspaper which I'm gonna send you. It's only in print it's called the Capitol Hill Citizen Uh, People who've got it have been overwhelmed uh, in in the pleasure of uh, covering Congress in other than official source journalism, it's called the Capitol Hill Citizen. And uh, one of the reporters tried to get his West Virginia delegation, and he he outlined it all, step by step, how he was uh, pushed here, pushed there, delayed here. (laughs) Nobody would call him the two senators and his, his representative. And so that's that's a big problem. I think well, what, so we what, have, what we have on the cash thing, uh, uh, Frank, is there are tens of millions of people who are unbanked and not part of the system. And so uh, politicians put their finger to the wind. And when uh, uh, companies want to go totally credit card uh, payment system, uh, they – feel the heat from these other people. About 20% of the consumer base is using uh, cash, check, money order, and they can uh, can make some noise, and their groups can make some noise, and some of these are civil rights groups. So you ask the question, you know, what's going to slow this down? What's going to slow it down are people who are now outside the system and can be really clobbered.
0: You mentioned the new newspaper, Capitol Hill Citizen. I think this is so interesting because it's a print publication. These days, it seems like every day there's a new media outlet coming out that's online only, online only. Even a lot of publications which have historically had a large print following, they're migrating towards online only. Why in this environment, when the rest of the world seems to be going the other way, are you launching this new print impl- uh, print publication?
1: Because so of the kind of reaction we're getting, they say, "What a pleasure it is to hold a newspaper in my hands without distraction, filters, all kinds of advertisements." Uh, I can concentrate on reading the newspaper. So people are really increasingly getting fed up by the intrusion, the distractions, the overwhelming clutter of the uh, of the online uh, world. That's one. And the second it's quite interesting is uh, they they feel exclusive it's like uh, it's like the old records right the old uh, records now are coming back into into vogue right uh, Frank
0: <laughs> that's true vinyl it's back
1: yeah, it's the made vinyl a- records I mean they're, they're even paying premiums for it with Ads collectors are doing that. Anyway, I think this is going to work. Now, one of the reasons we went only print is because we put stuff online all the time. It doesn't matter. No, nobody pays any attention. It's too cluttered. There's just zillions and zillions of blogs and websites and so on. I have a, a weekly column. It's called Nader.org. I go on my radio program, Ralph Nader Radio Hour, and I say, go to uh, uh, Nader.org. You get a free weekly column all you got to do is sign up automatically it's sent to you you hardly get a feedback other people tell me the same thing they're just overwhelmed it's too cluttered it's become hey. a monster so they oh. get this newspaper in print it's like a clear eye day with sunshine it's i quite think interesting. that we're testing it out uh, i, th- see, well, I think it, i can't wait to we, read we it we wanted members of congress to read it and if mm. it's online you know they'll just it's just more clutter so we had someone standing outside Capitol Hill when they go to vote, saying, "Read all about it." Remember that old thing, right, Read sure, all the old about newsies, it, Capitol Hill yeah. citizen, <laughs> and handed it free to the members as they crossed the road on the way to the Capitol to vote. It's a lot of I fun. think that.
0: No, it sounds fun. I can't wait to read it. I think the digital busyness that we're all um, inundated with all day long is certainly very pronounced among young people these days and that's why I was very interested in a book by your sister, Dr. Claire Nader, who I think I met in New York about four or five years ago when you did a book signing uh, out here. She has this new book out called You Are Your Own Best Teacher, Sparking the Curiosity, Imagination, and intellect of tweens. Now, this is another issue where I don't think there should be any daylight between conservatives, liberals, independents, or people that are non-political. I can't imagine anybody is okay with this corporate digital assault on young people. And yet um, your sister's book seems to be one of the few voices out there that's making the case as to why tweens are their own best teacher and shouldn't be taught by an iPad or a wireless device.
1: Yeah, this is a unique book. Uh, you know, there are a lot of studies of teenagers and tweens, and the Federal Trade Commission is investigating the mental health impact of, of the Silicon Valley moguls uh, with, uh, with the way they are abducting these kids, seducing them, addicting them, manipulating them. I mean, this is conscious stuff. It's been documented. And these kids now are spending five hours or more a day on that iPhone or their computer. They're being sucked into this thing, and parents are losing control over their kids. How many times have you heard parents say, I can't control the kid anymore? The iPhone, even when I tell them stop, the the kid runs away in the corner or someone is there or or all times during the day and not doing their studies and so forth. So Claire writes this book, and she directly speaks to them. She's spoken to tweens for years, and – and, and, and she brings the best out of them. You know, she believes in this saying, if you have low expectation of the kids, they'll oblige you. But if you have high expectations of the kids, they'll surprise you. So the book has 40, 54 short topics on all kinds of things. She introduces them to the print dictionary. She tells them about the difference between credit cards and cash. She even teaches them a little bit about torts, because they see bullying, they see auto crashes, mm-hmm. uh, wrongful injuries. She gives all kinds of examples of kids in nine, ten years old, 8 years old, who are doing great things. Because, you know, kids have a great moral authority, Frank. They don't have an ax to grind. And their practical ideal is they're wondering why the adults have screwed up the world so bad. Why can't you get rid of... Poverty. Why can't you get solar energy and, and deal with the climate? Uh, they're, they're very direct, and everybody has an experience where a child will look at a parent and say, y- "You keep smoking, Daddy. How long are you going to be around?" I mean, you I mean, can you imagine the impact of that—having a seven or nine-year-old say that to you. So, well,
0: I know a lot a of people things. that have quit great quit smoking because of that,
1: and it's a reservoir we need badly for adults in this country.
0: Absolutely. And if people want to check out the book or learn more about it, they can go to inspiringtweens.com. That's inspiringtweens.com. Very apropos today, because just yesterday, the Philadelphia Inquirer had a big article about the debate about whether to ban mobile phones in schools. And they say that the research suggests that without them, schools see more learning, fewer fights, and calmer hallways. So uh, in this climate, that book is certainly worth reading. Uh, Mr. Nader, before we run out of time three quick issues I have to run by you. Uh, One, uh, can't ignore the fact that you have run as a third party or independent presidential candidate multiple times. I've voted for you multiple times. 2024, it looks like there's going to be a couple of third party options that are a little bit better funded than most independent and third party options. The crypto billionaire Brock Pierce seems to be moving forward with a run. The no labels movement, they say uh, they're prepared to put forward a centrist alternative if the candidate It's uh, the Democrat and Republican Party are too extreme. And uh, also another group uh, co-founded by uh, Andrew Yang, the forward party, they're committed to starting a third party or furthering a third party. Are you, given everything that's going on, obviously this is not the kind of populist outsider message that you ran on, but are you optimistic that this might break a little bit of the political duopoly that the major parties have over the political
1: process? Well, if all those examples materialize that you point out, it's going to be a banner year for third parties because, you know, they, they're, they're all able to raise sufficient money to get on all the state ballots and maybe get matching funds so they won't be, you know, starving third parties who are on three state ballots. So and and there may be more, actually. It's going to be very interesting because we have a winner-take-all system, as you know, an electoral college system that's very biased against third parties, no proportional representation as they have in Western Europe, for example. If you get 49 percent and you're going against 51 percent in the U.S., you get nothing. But in other countries, you get a proportion of the parliament. So every vote counts, in effect, once it rises above a certain threshold. Like the Green Party, once it broke through 5% of the vote, started to get a percentage of the German parliament. Uh, So I think you're right. You're one of the few people who are pointing this out because there's a cynicism in the two parties that all these third parties will flame out and they'll drop out and they won't have any momentum, and, they, and the, the, the ballot access laws controlled by the two-party duopolies will block them, harass them, uh, disregard dis, uh, their uh, uh, their petitions and their signatures on uh, trivial or erroneous grounds. So I think the, the ones that you mentioned, if they materialize, uh, th- they're going to be enough funded so they're going to be on the ballot, and people will have more voices and choices.
0: Uh, Mr. Nader, I know you're a baseball fan like I am, and uh, you've raised concern about some of the changes in baseball in recent years. Now we already have a, a universal designated hitter in both leagues. Next year there are going to be even more changes, larger base size, a prohibition on the shift, and uh, a, a, a clock in which pitchers have to deliver to the mound, a number of other changes as well. How, how, are, you, how are you feeling about the changes that are coming to baseball in the near future?
1: Well, with one exception, um, the time clock for pictures, it's really over regulation. I mean, imagine you, you're a shortstop, a second base, you've got to figure out where you are uh, when a batter comes up. Imagine if you have larger bases. It messes up records, too. Records become sure. uh, unfair. Uh, of course, you know, they, they reduce the, the size of the mound on the pictures uh, and. So you can't compare records now. You, you've got Aaron Judge who's got 59 home runs, got two more to tie Roger Maris. But Roger Maris uh, w- was in a in a league where they only had 154 games. Now I think they have 166. So okay, you know, uh, go go Aaron Judge, but it, you got to make sure with an asterisk that he had more games to play.
0: Right. So well, I, I think I,
1: um, I am in Maris- favor. I am in favor of the time clock uh, because Uh, it's unbelievable how it slows the the game. I mean, a lot of people turn off the radio. They just get sick and tired of it. And the umpires don't push the, uh, the pitchers. So it is good for them, and they can keep it in their minds when 20 seconds run up.
0: Sure. No, I think Maris did have a 162-game season, but certainly Babe Ruth, whose record that he broke, only had the 154-game season. That's, uh, that's certainly for sure. Um, well, I'm glad
1: you, you corrected me on that. Thank you. I,
0: just so, I mean, look, 60 years ago, uh, we, we can all forget a thing or two, but um, you first kind of uh, arose to national prominence through your work against the Chevy Corvair, unsafe at any speed, and you're, you've you been more associated with auto safety than anybody. The airbag probably wouldn't be in most cars but for you. Seatbelts, same thing. Go down the list of almost every auto safety uh, feature. These days, uh, there seems to be a big push for self-driving cars Cars. Not only the Tesla uh, that has this self driving car mode, but people seem to think that we're around the corner from self driving cars populating all the streets and highways. How are you feeling about uh, self driving cars and the possibility of their expanded use?
1: It's not going to happen for many years. You'll have semi-autonomous already in cars, and I hope more of them become standard, not optional, like the lane changing and the autonomous, uh, semi-autonomous brakes. Those are good, but to see a a, a driverless car, it's not going to happen. They got to they got to invest huge in into the highways to adapt to it. Uh, the data is nowhere near uh, facilitating their deployment. Uh, in contrast to uh, the constant uh, optimistic predictions of Elon Musk, which are always wrong, and he has to keep repeating them and pushing off the date. But most important, people if they people think that hackers can take control of their car, their driverless car, uh, they're going to lose confidence in the very phrase driverless car without motorist confidence. There's no way you're going to see driverless cars. And and I've been at technical conferences, Frank, and they don't want to talk about the hacking problem because it can come from 1,000 miles away. It can hack like 50,000 cars at the same time of the same model that are on the highway. It's a horrible uh, situation that they have not yet been able to address. So they are misleading people, uh, not to mention that, There's a big difference between having a self-driving truck on an open Wyoming highway uh, and uh, going down in downtown Manhattan, as you know.
0: Final, final question, sir, and I appreciate you having been so generous with your time. The war in Ukraine, uh, it's now been going on for over six months, a lot of people dying, a lot of people losing their homes, the worldwide economy suffering all sorts of problems because of it. Uh, how do you see things going now? It seems like there is a little momentum on the part of the Ukrainian military in taking back some territory. Uh, where do you see things going from here, and where would you like to see things? going from here?
1: I want to see ceasefires and rigorous peace negotiations between the parties, and the U.S. is not doing the lead on that. They're spending billions and billions of dollars uh, for weapons, but they're not spending any resource and time for peace negotiations. Right now, uh, the the, uh, obvious acrimony between Uh, Russia and Ukraine is not conducive. They need third parties. And throughout history, it's always been third parties that bring the parties together. And and our State Department has failed on that. I've written a column on that. You can read it on Nader.org. And Joe Biden has uh, failed on that. In fact, the State Department uh, admitted uh, a few weeks ago uh, that Secretary Blinken Uh, isn't even in contact with his counterpart, Lavrov, (laughs) the foreign minister in Russia, where where there used to be regular communications. Well, you know, that's no way to end the war. And uh, so we we need people tell their members of Congress, stop hoopling, you know, uh, quicker money for Ukraine than for the opioid, uh, the departments of public health in New York and elsewhere and all the needs there. So it's too belligerent. We want... Waging peace to be right up there at the top, and that's what that the is... charter of the State Department called for uh, 200 years ago. Waging peace through diplomacy, Mi- and it's not Mr.
0: Nader, done. it's always a treat to talk with you. Thank you so much for the time. Hope everybody uh, checks out your sister's book, com, and they can check out your column and your books at Nader.org. I'll look forward to our next interaction.
1: Well, thank you, Frank. Thanks for alerting all those parents that are losing control over their kids to the Internet. Thank you.
0: If you want to comment on any portion of my conversation with Ralph Nader, please give me a call. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
1: The Other Side of midnight. Midnight.